this month, this today, we are starting a new weekly worship gathering rhythm. <clears throat> and we would, we thought it would be good to go back to our roots uh, and to remember who we are um, and to ask the question, why? Um, there was a little picture of, of like a true. Yeah, there you go. Let's start with why. Charles found that. That's cute. Um, but why do we do what we do? What is our motivation for who we are and what we're doing and, and why we are the way we are? You know, if you don't know uh, the why, when you're in transition, sometimes you can get lost. Um, when Caleb turned three, um, for about two weeks, he thought he was a baby cheetah and he would just crawl around. And you'd ask him a question and he'd say, baby cheetah. And that's all he would say. And so, you know, it, I don't want that to happen to any of you. So we need to understand who we are and why we're doing what we're doing so we don't get lost in the process. It's round three, right? Yeah, okay. Um, so we're going to discuss uh, our motivations for our community of who we are and what drives us to be who we are as a community, but also what drives us as, as followers of Jesus in our workplaces and neighborhoods. And so our first motivation um, is intimacy with God. And we describe this as our participation in the life of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is our foundational practice. So intimacy with God, our participation in the life of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is our foundational practice. There's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, there's a lot that could be said, and there's a lot of lessons that, and conversations that could be had about all that that entails. Um, for one thing, it, it's saying that God is the source. Uh, he is the why of our community. He's the why of the things that we want to do together. Like one of our practices has been we want to share our lives with the disconnected, those that don't have community, those that don't know God, um, those that are lonely, and, and we want to share our lives with the downtrodden, people that have been beat up by life, that have had injustice, unfairness, um, the, the refugees that we connect with, um, and we want to share our lives with them. And, and the source of that desire is, I believe, it's Jesus teaching people to say, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then to go on and define their neighbor as the person that they don't really like that much, that they don't want to be around. Um, that's different than them. He says, oh, that's your neighbor. That's the one I want you to love as you love yourself. And so the source, I think, of our heart and our practice is, is God, is the, is the teachings of Jesus. But even more so than that, what we're talking about here, intimacy with God as the source of who we are and the why of who we are, um, it says participation in the life of God. And so it's not just him being something from the past that's the source. Like this is this is our our rule book that we're going to try to abide by. It is actually connection with him. That is the source of our life. It's actually the meaning of our life. It is it is what life revolves around. And Jesus in the Gospel of John, um, close by where the section was that Sarah read, he says to know the father is to have life. He says to know the father, not just to have life, but to have eternal life is to know the father. And he's not just talking about like Bible trivia knowledge, like, you know, God is omniscient. What does that mean? And he's talking about to know, to have this connection with God is to have life. And that's true for us as individuals. It's true for us as a community. 
And so intimacy with God is this core motivation. Um, John chapter 15. I want to read a section again that we that Sarah read. It's one of my favorite sections, actually, of of scripture. And there's a lot there. But verse nine through twelve says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I have loved you as the father has loved me. Abide in my love. And when you look at like your Bibles that are that are around you, a lot of those will say remain in my love. But abide is kind of a word we don't use that much anymore. But um, abide in my love. Follow my example in obeying the father's commandments and receiving his love. So follow my example in obeying his commandments and receiving his love. If you obey my command, you will stay in my love. I want you to know the delight I experience. To find ultimate satisfaction, which is why I'm telling you all this. My command to you is this. Love others as I have loved you. That's another, that's just a load of stuff in just a few sentences that Jesus says there. But at least one of the things he's saying is that I want you to experience everything that I'm experiencing. The delight I experience, the peace that he has in this relationship with the father where they love each other and he knows who he is and he knows his identity and he's connected. And he says, I want you to have all that. And one in in the NIV, it says, I want you to have abundant life. I want your life to be abundant and full. And in in the voice, it says, I want you to have ultimate satisfaction, which I think people are chasing after something. They might not call it ultimate satisfaction, but that's really what like we want to have this contentment, this deep peace. We want joy in our life. And Jesus is saying, I want you to have that. He's saying the way to have that is to abide in my love. So what does abide mean? Um, Webster defines abide as to remain stable or fixed in a state. It basically means just to, to stay, to stay put. So it's like when you say to a dog, like, stay. And the dog stops and a well-trained dog will stop. And then it sees something it wants to go after and it kind of makes a move. And you know, stay. And, it, you know, it freezes again. A lot of dogs are a lot better at abiding than humans are. <laughs> um, dogs can be trained to abide. Humans are very uh, difficult to train to abide, especially children. But, um, but adults, too. And especially in our fast-paced, uh, don't-care-how-I-want-it-now um, world, it's so hard to abide, to, to stay put and to rest. Um, I'm curious about... Uh, If there have been some times in your life when you felt like, I need to stay still, but it's really hard to do that. Does anybody have any examples of that from your life? So I'll give you one. Yeah. Paul, that is going to be a little bit of a right turn uh, in some ways, but it it connects with me because it's it's something I do professionally, and I think it, it connects with us on who we are as humans. Um, we all want to get to the ideal place and we want to get there as quickly as possible. Right. And in my profession, I deal with people who are investing in saving for retirement. And we want to get rich and we want to get there as quickly as possible. And so sometimes we chase these things, whether it's lately the crazes Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you know, or, or other things that are going to have 300% rate of return and I'll be a millionaire by February, you know, instead of being responsible and setting aside and abiding in our own finances, how we need to set 
There's this core element I see of us as humans that we just can't help ourselves. <laughs> we fall into these things over and over again. And, and whether it's you know people saving for retirement or, or the Israelites seeking God, you know, so many times uh, we know what we need to do to connect with God when we trip over our, our human nature. Mm, that's a great example. Are you selling? I sh- are you saying I should sell my Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You what? Oh, I wish I had some. Um, <laughs> any other examples of, of when it's hard to uh, hard to stay put? Well, for me, it's, it's um, recently I was dealing with some issues, problems. Let's be honest, problems uh, within my work. You know, it's a potential conflict issue, and we're going to have calls. We're going to be you know involved in that, but there wasn't anything I could do at this particular frame of time, but I wanted to do something. Mm. And so I'm pacing back and forth, I'm worrying about it, I'm chewing on it, what what am I going to do about this? And and I sit and waste time Mm. rather than just accepting it and abiding in that situation because I wanted to make something happen that I couldn't make happen. Right. Right. Love nervous energy. I think there's something... You guys, in your story, your examples have hit on this. There's something in us that does not want to stay put, um, that does not want to abide. And particularly when it comes to God, like having to wait in this kind of nebulous, like abiding, like staying put and not sure what's going to happen, not sure what I'm supposed to do. In one sense, we were a made, we were made to abide. In another sense, there's something deep within us that wants to to chase that wants also to hide um, instead of staying put with God a lot of times we'd rather get away we'd rather get away from him or from others and that tendency I see going back to the beginning of our story back to um, the story of Adam and Eve so go with me back there for just a moment um, imagine if you will you wake up to a world and everything is new. The, the sunrise, you see it for the first time. And it's just beautiful. And you're like, wow, this is great. And you're with someone you love. And you're with even a, a creator that loves you. And, and tells you that you're loved. And that you are um, children that, that are loved. And you're, you're looking at things new for the first time. And it's, it, you don't feel scared. You don't feel... Um, anxious, you don't have anywhere to go. You're just like, what's that? I don't know. Let's name it. You know, that's a dog. Okay, that's cool. Um, oh, what is that? And just I feel something like blowing through the the trees. You don't even have words for like the wind and things like this. And you're just exploring and just enjoying life. You know, how cool would that be to just get to wake up to something new every morning and not be scared, but just to think, I just get to to see what's new every day. And then that day comes when the, the enemy um, comes from our enemy from long from, since the, this beginning point, And he comes with a lie. And I love the way that um, Sally Lloyd-Jones in the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it. Like Eve and the serpent are, are right there in front of the tree with the fruit, the knowledge of good and evil. And this is what the serpent whispers to her. Does God really love you? Hmm. But he won't let you. He won't let you eat from this. Poor you. 
Perhaps God doesn't want you to be happy. And there's just enough of a twist in that lie that it catches on to Eve's heart, to our, our mother's heart. And it, and it grabs her and she's, she has this doubt. In a world that's been fine, it's been great, and fine is not the right word, it's been fantastic, it's been ultimate satisfaction. All of a sudden there's, a, there's something that's not right. And so she reaches out to make it right again. And Adam's right there along with her. And he reaches as well. He believes the same thing. And then their eyes are open. But it's not open to new and glorious and and beautiful things anymore. Now it's something is off. Something is off around me and something is off in me. Like something is not right and it's me. And oh, I'm, I'm naked. And shame enters the picture for the first time. Something is wrong with me. Something is wrong about who I am and what I look like. And, and you know, the first time that our eyes kind of dart to the side, you're like, who's, who's watching? Who, did I do it wrong? And then they know that God is going to come. And so they, they hide from him because they feel shame. And this is the first time uh, there's a hiding from God instead of a spending time with him, connecting But that lesson of hiding has just been passed down and rolled down through the years to the point where our natural tendency is not to abide with God anymore. It's to hide from God and from each other. And I think the greatest barrier to abiding, to this desire to connect and be intimate with God, I think ultimately stems to shame. Um, It's shame that leads us to this place of hiding. It's shame that keeps us feeling desperate for love and value and chasing after all the things, whether it's riches and Bitcoin or, you know, being able to say, I've done all these things. So then I'm valuable. I've done everything that, that people expected me to do. So I'm, I'm worthy to be loved and to have friends and for God to be happy with me. People chase after that because they, they don't feel it. And I think that's shame. The problem is, as soon as we feel like we've got our world together, we, we're, we've got a, a good picture in our world, our world starts to fall back apart. And every, every time we put it back together, it falls back apart again. And all we feel like we can do is just put a, a good face on a difficult situation. And that phrase, put a good face on a difficult situation, I think is interesting. Because doesn't that just mean that we're hiding who we really are in that moment? Like, why can't we have the face that we have? Why can't we just... Have the trouble, difficult, I don't know what I'm doing face. That face is not good enough. Let me ask you guys uh, another question. Um, what are some reasons you feel like that we hide ourselves, our true selves, from other people and from God? Because we're afraid of what people will think about us if we say what we're really like. If we say what we're really like. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. Mm-hmm. And I'm all that I got, I've got. Wow. 
And this is why I feel like that when we say intimacy with God is our is the core motivation of our community, what's the greatest barrier to that is I'm I'm kind of nervous to be known by God, by other people. I'm scared to be able to come into that space and be because so much is, I feel like is expected of me. And if I'm in that space, don't I have to be a certain way? And to tell you the truth, I, I have felt this a lot. This has been part of my journey. Um, I was blessed to get to be uh, in a group with, with some of you guys, with Barrett and Daryl um, and John and Sarah Holland last fall. And, and I said, I'm struggling with this. And um, I got I heard a, a sermon the other day by a guy named John Lynch, and I, I want to share some of the story of that with you guys. Um, and, and then we're going to have some prayer time after that. But um, this story has very much been something that that I've wrestled with. So I wanted to uh, share it in hopes that it helps you guys as well. So this person is on a road. And they're, they're a person that uh, they, they have come to know God. They've experienced uh, his grace through Jesus. And things have been really good for a while. And then something's happened and maybe the years have gone by and they're like, I don't feel the same or the joy or the closeness to God as I felt, you know, back then. Or maybe something's happened, like some tragedy has happened. They're like, I don't know how to deal with this or they're doubting and I don't know how to deal with these questions that I have. Or, man, I've just I've done something really bad. Or now I'm, I'm doing things that I used to do that I thought I was done with, but I'm still doing them. And so they're, they're wrestling in this life where they were content and now they're discontent. And they come to a crossroads and they see two signs. And on one side, it says, trusting God. Okay. And on the other side, it says, pleasing God. And they look back and they think, why would I, why do I have to choose between trusting God and pleasing God? Those things seem like good things. I want to be about both of those things. And, and yet they're at a crossroads and they have to make a choice. And they say, well, trusting God, I, I really don't, what do you do with that? You know, like what I'm, I don't understand. Like I, I want to, but I don't know what to do. But when you look at pleasing God, you're like, okay, I think I can do this. I think I can please. I, I can do some things to please God. Like I know some things. I've read the Bible. I, I'm going to please God, and then things are going to get back on track. So they start to walk down this road of pleasing God, and they come to a doorway. And on that doorway, it says, "Striving to be all God wants me to be." And they think, "Yeah, that's it. Like I want to be a spiritual marine. Be all you can be, and like that. That is great. Um, if I can do this." Then I'm going to get back to where I feel good again. And so they reach down to the doorknob and on the doorknob, because everything in this world has has a name, the doorknob says self-effort. And they're like, yeah, it's going to take some effort, but it's worth it. And so they reach in, uh, reach down, turn the knob and they walk into a room. Inside this room, there's a bustle of activity. Lots of things happening. Lots of good things happening. You can tell there's a lot of good things happening. And a hostess walks up and, and greets greets you and says, welcome, welcome to the room of good intentions. And she's very polite. And you're excited and you're like, okay, I can see a lot of good things are happening in this room. In fact, you're so excited. You're like, hey, everybody, glad to be here. How's everybody doing? And then all the bustle stops and people turn towards you. 
start to nod. I'm like, I'm fine, fine, we're fine, fine, good, very fine. That kind of weirds you out a little bit, but you're glad to be there. So um, the, you look back at the hostess, and the hostess says, and how are you doing, sir? Oh, well, you know, I'm really glad to be here because I think you guys can help me out. Um, I've been on this road and things were going well, but then all of a sudden uh, this, several things happened and I don't really know what to... And she puts up her finger and silences you. And then with her other hand, she reaches up and she's got a mask. And you look at the mask and then you, you look at her and you look around the room and you say, oh, everybody's got one of these on. And so you take it and you put it on. And as you do, you say, oh, I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, thanks for asking. I'm fine. And she seems content, she's welcome, and now you can go into the room. So you walk into this room and you're like, wow, these people are dedicated. These people are sincere. This is a good place. Like, I'm excited. Things are going to go well here. And you look back to the corner of the room and there's a banner. And on that banner it says, fixing my brokenness to achieve an intimate relationship with God. You're like... Oh, that's it. That's one of the motivations of my my church, an intimate relationship with God. So fixing my brokenness to achieve an intimate relationship with God. And you walk over towards that banner and you see that there's kind of a gulf between you and, and what's going on over there. And all of a sudden they bring in all these bags and all these bags have things written on them. And you're like, oh, this is all this is all the mess of my life. Like these are all my broken places. This is. It's listing my, my sin and my brokenness and, and my history. And, oh, and it's so high, you can barely see past it. And you get this impression that under that banner, God is over there somewhere. And you're looking and you're saying, God, I, I want to see you. I want to I get over there. I just have to clear some of this stuff out of the way. If I can just get through some of this, then I can, I'm going to see you. I'm going to find you. And... Your heart is sincere in this. You really want it. And so you get to work and you start to try to clear out some of the bags and you're like getting on the top and you're dumping it out. And you're like, oh, this is terrible. Where's the trash can? And nobody's telling you what to do because they're, they're kind of like, hey, this is your stuff. You got yourself into this, you know, fix, fix it. This is what we do. And they also don't tell you that every day new bags get dumped on the pile and they just kind of get refilled. And you're like, oh, there's more stuff to fix. But you're hard at work. You're glad you're here. The people around you are devoted and passionate. You get to involved in some of the things that they're doing and you're excited because you're doing something. You are acting and you're going to get intimacy with God because of all this. But as the days pass and the weeks pass, you start to learn some things. Uh, you see that the people are a little bit cynical. Uh, they seem a little tired. Um, and they don't even seem, they, they seem kind of lonely after a while. And even once you saw somebody take off their mask and you're like, oh, this is interesting. And they wipe their brow and you can, you look at their eyes and then you see pain in their eyes and they quickly put the mask back on. And, but you keep going to work and you keep trying to get that pile down so you can get over to where God is under that banner. And eventually you're just so exhausted and you're like, I haven't made any headway. And if these folks realize that I'm not making any headway with fixing this stuff, they're not going to want me here anymore. And you try a few more times to fix, and then you're like, okay, that's it. You're limping around. You're like, I'm exhausted. I can't do this anymore. 
and you walk out the door of the room of good intentions. You go back to the crossroads and you look up at that sign that says trust in God. You think, I don't know, I don't know how to do that, but okay. And you, you start to walk down the road. And you get to another doorway. And this doorway says has a sign on it too, and it says, Living out of who God says I am. And you look at that for a while and you say, Those are some nice words. Living out of who God says I am. I don't know. Whatever. But you're here and you're like, okay, I'm going to try this. And you reach down to the doorknob and it says humility. And at this point, you just close your eyes and say, God, I have tried so hard. Things were good for so long and now they're not. And I've tried and I've tried and I've tried And it's not getting any better. And if you don't do anything, I don't think I can continue. And you turn the knob and you walk in. In this room, there's a a lot of people again. And a hostess walks up to you and says, welcome. Welcome to the room of grace. And you say, okay. And she says, how are you doing? And you've heard that question before. So you know what to say. You say, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Thanks for asking. And you look out and it, the people in the room are, are looking at you and they're almost like they're expect, they, they, they want a little bit more. Uh, but for you, it's kind of like, are they judging me? Like, am I not good enough? Even when I answer, I'm fine. Like, come on, what's the problem here? And something in you snaps and you say in a loud voice, all right, listen, everybody, I'm not fine. I am tired and I am confused. I feel afraid. I feel guilty most of the time and lonely. And if you knew half of the thoughts that I think on a daily basis, you wouldn't want me in your little room of grace. So everybody, guess what? I am not fine. Thank you. I'm out of here. And you turn to go. But before you get to the door, you hear a voice from the back of the room. And this voice says, that's it. Is that all you got? I take your confusion and your bad thoughts and I'll raise you compulsive addiction and chronic lower back pain. (laughs) Oh, and I'm in debt up to my ears and I have loads of family issues. You better get more than that little list if you want to play in my league, buddy. And you're just like, why Why would you say that? But the hostess says, I think what he's trying to say is you're welcome here. And you look back to where that voice came from and you, you start to walk toward it and you say, but... Do you have a problem remembering people's birthdays? And the voice is walking towards you now and says, birthdays? I can't even remember people's names, much less their birthdays. And by the time you're face to face, you're laughing with this new friend and you're sharing all the struggles that you share together that you don't know exactly what to do with. But you're there and you're together and he introduces you to other people and you feel welcome and you start to notice that no one in this room is wearing a mask. And you look towards the corner again and you see another banner. And this one says, standing with God, my sin in front of us, working on it together. And that seems interesting. So you walk over, standing with God. And all of a sudden, oh, there's the piles of bags of all my brokenness again. You're like, I thought I was in a different place. All my stuff is still here. 
and you're looking at it and you're feeling hopeless again. And then somebody is walking around this big pile of your mess and walking towards you. And as you look closely, you think, that's him. This is Jesus. And, and as he gets closer, you don't know why, but you just fall down on your knees and you're like, Lord, don't come any nearer. I, I don't deserve for you to be here. I don't deserve to be close to you. Look at all the mess of my life. And he reaches down and he, he picks you up and he looks you in the eye and he says, I know, I know. I've known you since before the dawn of time. And I love you. And I'm not ashamed of you. I love you. And you start to believe it. And you just kind of fall in, onto his shoulder. And now you've got these sobs because you've been holding and you've been carrying this weight of your life and of doing it right so long. You're like, I can't do it anymore. And he says, I know, I know. It's going to be okay. And after what seems like a long time, you look at this bag of all the junk that is your life. And you're like, but what about this? And he looks over there with you and he says, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> that's a lot of mess. I guess what? Uh, we'll work on it together when you're ready. For right now, my grace is sufficient for you. And I love you. I love you. And so I, I heard that story a few weeks ago of the two crossroads. And I identified with feeling kind of tired and feeling like a lot of times I'm chasing after God. I'm like, oh, I've been talking about going on this retreat. And I've told Barrett like for a year, like I'm going to go on a retreat this year. And it's going to be great, like two days. And I want to connect with God because I need to get away to do that and, and detox from my life. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I can share myself with, with everyone, and then sometimes I feel like I need to wear a mask, too. And what I heard God saying to me when I heard this story was that you don't have to chase over after me somewhere over here. You don't have to look for me somewhere over there. I am right here, and I want to sit with you and be with you right now. And this is the beauty of this motivation that we have is that this has not happened because we have achieved some grand race of finding God out in the in the spiritual blue. This is God that is pursuing us and says, I'm right here. I'm right here in the mess. I'm right here with you. You don't have to get it all fixed before we can be together. And I just want you to sit with me for a while. I want you just to sit and be and to listen and to be part of my family and to be loved on. And you know what? When you abide here, when you abide in here, good things are going to happen. You're going to start to experience my delight. In fact, he says, if you stick to this vine of abiding in my love, this love that's between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit... When you hang out there and you get to experience it more, he says, you can't help but bear fruit. You can't help but bear fruit. It's just a natural thing that happens. Fruit will come. But if you try to chase after it and try to save the world and fix Dallas and fix yourself by yourself, it ain't going to happen. You're going to wither up. And like Sarah read earlier, 
it, when you're withered up, there's not much good. There's nothing good that's coming from that because you've, you've disconnected from the source of life. So sit and stay. Don't hide anymore. Take your mask off and just be known. Because I love you right now. I love you right where you are. That's good news for us. That's good news for us as we start this year that Jesus wants to hang out with us right now. And there are some prayers and things that Miles and Val were singing and praying earlier that I was hearing that. Like, Jesus wants to be with us now, where we're at. And he does want to spread his love throughout uh, our neighborhoods and in our lives and our cities and workplaces. But he's also saying, I am right here. Let's spend some time together. I love you. I'm not ashamed of you. And that's good news.